And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined as always by the singing Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Wynn. Vic, uh, I hope I hope those pipes are warmed up, ready. Uh, you know, are you drinking like some hot tea, getting them going. What, what what's what's the pre singing routine for you? I mean, it's a it's a two and seventeen podcast, so the bar is not too high for me. So I'm, I'm not going crazy <laughs> as far as like practicing overnight. But I'll be fine. I'm good. I'm uh, I got some coffee, which I think is going to be good for me. So uh, got a good song picked out. It's all good. We, we hold ourselves to a different standard, though. We we don't let yeah. our standard go nah, down. The Raiders I think, are losing. I, I think it goes down. <laughs> <laughs> Vic, Vic, I, I just I just want to let you know, I, I'm giving you a vote of confidence. And no matter how well you perform today, how well you sing today, I will have you back in 2023. And we'll call you fantastic, too. Yeah, yeah. fantastic yeah. job. Why wouldn't fantastic. we be confident in Vic's singing ability? Appreciate it. That's very nice. Yeah. I feel good. I mean, so let's get into that. Mark Davis uh, talked to a few people this week. And, um, you know, after, you know, Monday when, when Josh McDaniels said that, no, there hasn't really been any big clandestine meeting, you know, nothing like that. Mark pretty shortly after came out and like, no, he's, he's going to be back in 2023, which I think that part of it is fine. Um, he knows that McDaniels is kind of flapping there in the wind a little bit right now uh, that everybody's uh, throwing heat at him that, you know, the people that didn't like the hire are just now doubling down on why they didn't like the hire. And we all talked last week and, and you know, after last game that, yeah, it probably doesn't make sense or, they probably can't feasibly, you know, afford to get rid of him after one season. But to take it to the level of it, to say he's doing a fantastic job, I mean, it's words. They don't really mean a whole lot, but I don't know. It seems a little bit over the top. You know, Vic, I know you kind of felt like, OK, if things go really bad, I mean, what if this team is two and 15? Like, you know, maybe the players don't like him. Maybe the players don't want to play for him. And they hear that the owner is just already out, out there supporting him and saying, yeah, he's back in 2023. I mean, if this season goes really bad and you see a team that quits on him, and I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I don't know that I'd want to already so so soon declare, like, no, no matter what, he's coming back in 2023. Yeah, I thought Davis's comments were incredibly tone deaf. I think you're pretty much saying that a 2-7 and seven star doesn't matter. I mean, he's done a fantastic job. So now, if they do go, say, whatever, I mean, 3-14, and f- and 14, whatever, 
Uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, he's already said that he's done a great job. So it's not based on a team that says just win, baby, and commitment to excellence. That's your franchise motto. Uh, that doesn't, that's no longer true. I mean, you don't have to win. You can just um, somehow, I don't know, convince your owner you're doing a good job by saying you got some injuries and the roster wasn't that good. And I don't know what the hell he's telling them. But I mean, obviously, he hasn't convinced that uh, they're doing good things. I'm not based on what he's watching on film. They just got out coached by Jeff Saturday. They blow leads every week, they lose close games, which usually is a sign of, you know, of coaching. I mean, discipline is, is down because the penalties are up, and that's also a coaching sign. I mean, the play call has been great. The defense is, is god-awful. I just – um, I thought it was a really um, – I knew he was going to – I mean, I figured he'd give him a little a vote of support and tell yeah, we, we, we're behind him. But to come out so strong, I think, is a disservice to Raider fans. I think it's uh, it shows either he has no intention to admit that he was wrong or he's going to consider it. Or maybe he doesn't have the money to fire him. I don't know. Maybe his cash flow is still a problem. But um, I just thought it was incredibly tone deaf. And uh, I don't want to say dumb, but um, just a real slap in the face for, for Raider fans who pay a lot of money to watch this product every every week. Yeah, I think he was just trying to be as supportive as he can in, you know, in this moment, because I'm sure, you know, he they're, they're hearing all the um, the noise around Josh McDaniels. So he's trying to be supportive, but I agree it's the wrong word to use, because basically what he's saying is, um, the team stinks. He's saying everybody else around him stinks. And for him to squeeze out two wins, it's fantastic, you know, out, out of this, d- this terrible roster, supposedly. It, you know, I think that's the message that is sent when you say he's doing a, a, a fantastic job. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think he really thought that through or, um, you know, I think he was just trying to give Big Daniels as much support as he can. But I, I think that's the message that gets sent when you say something like that. Yeah, I think even if Mark Davis does think he he made a mistake, like I, I think you know, speaking of what Vic just mentioned at the end there, like I don't think they have the money to do this, like to to fire him in year one. I mean, all you have to really look at in terms of their cash flow issues is all the signing bonuses for the new deals that they gave out this past offseason. I mean, in in this modern era, teams aren't giving out such insignificant signing bonuses and, and not lowering that year one cap hit and pushing it in the future. Like the Raiders basically didn't do that with anybody. Max Crosby, Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones, like all these guys have a lot of salary later on in their in their contracts. And uh, you know, I mean, you don't you don't just do that for no reason. You know what I mean? Like like there, there's reasons behind that. And the, you know, you already paid out a big settlement to John Gruden last year. He would have to pay out, you know. Josh McDaniels has three years left on his contract after this year. You have to pay that out and you have to go get another coach and potentially another GM. Like that's just, you know, based off of what we've seen, like it just doesn't line up. And so even if he wanted to, which it doesn't, I don't think he does, but even if he did, like, I'm not sure he'd be able to do it. All right. Well, I mean, let's talk a little bit more about McDaniels. It's, it's obviously the caveat for everybody's listening. Um, you know, we're recording this on Wednesday morning, uh, you know, Derek Carr, Devontae Adams usually speak on Wednesday afternoon. Um, so we'll see what more they have to say when they talk. But when McDaniels talked on Monday, a day after Derek Carr tearfully essentially called out his teammates for the lack of effort, and Devontae Adams seemed to agree with him in the locker room, you've got Josh McDaniels. No, I, I don't I don't see any problem with the team's effort. And maybe he doesn't. Maybe he thinks everything's fine and um maybe and maybe you know as we hinted before Derek Carr's main concern is is Josh McDaniels but and he's the, the way he kind of presented it was you know it kind of seemed like maybe he's calling out his teammates but maybe it was McDaniels I don't know but the way that McDaniels responded to that 
to essentially say, no, you know, yeah, I know my quarterback was up here, you know, emotional and and calling out the effort, but I I don't see any of that. Like we, we can kind of, I mean, if we didn't think that there was a disconnect between the coach and the quarterback before, it's very clear now these guys are not on the same page on anything. They're not on the same page with the offense. They're not on the same page with the pulse of the locker room. And I, I just, I know Derek Carr say, "Oh, I love Josh." Blah blah blah. We don't, we don't, we don't have to believe that. I mean, th- those are those are words. I, I just, this seems like a, a coach quarterback relationship that um, is, is probably beyond repair. Yeah, it wasn't just Derek Carr. I mean, Devontae Adams in the locker room pretty much echoed his his same comments about guys not being bought in and having the level of effort that they need um, in, in different words. And so, you know. Guys like Carr and Devontae aren't going to come out and say that if it's not real. Like, you're, you're, you know, those kind of players, aren't, especially to us as the media, like they might say that amongst each other, but not not publicly like that. And so, um, but, you know, I guess, you know, McDaniels knows that, you know, I mean, that's on him if that does exist. And so it, it, it's better image wise to say that you don't think that's an issue to be like, yeah, like the locker room is falling apart. Like they hate each other. They hate me. Like that would make him look terrible. Right. And so. I don't think there's a lot of incentive for him to lean into that notion, right? At least publicly in the press conference. To me, like my response to that at least is like, you know what? That's not something that I've noticed. But if my leaders are telling me that and my leaders are saying that publicly, that's something I need to get addressed. And I need to go meet with these guys and I need to find out what the issues are that they see. I would it, for him to like dismiss it as something that he has not seen. Like that's my issue. Like. He's got, I, I would come out and say, that's not something I've seen. But if those guys are noticing that, then I need to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, and, you know, I mean, you know, in terms of having a post in the locker room, like, obviously, the player is always going to have a better idea to a degree than the coaching staff. But as you said, like, if you if you just haven't seen it or they've been acting on their, their P's and Q's when you're around and then when you're away is when it kind of falls apart. I mean, like you said, it's your, it's your job to go in there and, and figure that out. And uh, when, when it comes to... Like, I don't think they have an effort issue because, I mean, you know, of their seven losses, six of them have been by, by one score. So it's not like they're just going out there and laying down and and getting rolled over. But um, in, in terms of buy-in isn't just about effort, right? It's just believing in the vision, what the coaching staff is doing, the systems that they're trying to implement, where they're going in year two, year three for the guys that, that may be under contract for a while. And so it's bigger than just going out there and trying. This is football. Like, you can't go out there and, like – not try, otherwise you're gonna get hurt or potentially, you know, jeopardize your future dollars by looking like shit on on the film. And so, I don't, I don't think that's ever really gonna be a thing. Um, like, well, I guess you guys have that that infamous Bruce Irvin story, but like usually that's not gonna be the thing. So I, I think it's 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 a little bit deeper than just them trying hard. Yeah, I think it has to do with uh, how hard they practice. You know, how hard they. Uh, or how, how much time they spend off the field preparing for the game. Um, all those things come into it. And, you know, I don't know if he's also calling out people that, you know, are uh, as far as, you know, coming back from injuries or working hard, rehabbing. Uh, I think he, he, I think they're probably referring to to all those things. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you guys are right. I think Carr saying and Adam saying the players aren't buying in and the effort is not there, you know, throughout the entire locker room. That's a knock on the coaching staff. That's a knock on, on, on McDaniels. And he can't, he can't say, oh, yeah, that's probably true. I'm probably not getting these guys to play hard enough. I mean, you can't say that. And then, but you could definitely handle it better. I think, um, I think the one thing is even, you know, the half the fan base who doesn't like Derek Carr, 
has to admit that he cares. I mean, crying may not be the way a lot of players would go about it, and he couldn't he'd be broke down and maybe kind of couldn't hold it all in, but he clearly cares. He's been in nine years. He's paid his dues. He wants to win here. He said that a million times. And I think Josh McDaniel's response, uh, not being uh, at all emotional or kind of vested or kind of almost dismissive of what Derek said, I don't think he cares about winning this year. I think that, and the owner kind of gave him that pass. Winning is not important this year. I mean, you can do whatever you want, and uh, you can kind of get some guys you brought in in terms of the draft picks and some of the phrasing to give some more playing time. But so far, that hasn't really done much. But I don't think it matters to him this year to win or lose. And I think it does Derek Carr because his clock is ticking, and his future here is not is not secure. So I think maybe he starts to realize that. I mean, that's why he gets so emotional. But uh, they're clearly on different pages, uh, the quarterback and the, and the coach. And you can just tell, I mean, the, the post-game press conference, like, for me, Josh McDaniels immediately came off as somebody, like, he's not happy that he's losing, but he's like, he knows he's safe. Like, you just tell by his demeanor, like, he doesn't look flustered at all. Like, I've, I've seen coaches that are about to get fired. Like, like it doesn't look like that. And, and so uh, with, with Derek Carr, I think a lot of that emotion, you know, it probably does come from what he's seen from other guys around the locker room, but he also knows that, as I've written a couple of times now, like if somebody's going to take the fall for this, it's going to be him. Like you know, the way his contract is structured is very easy for them to move on. The way that they're headed record wise, they're going to be in position to replace him. Like he's not stupid. Like he knows how this business works. Like, you know, he, he's I think he sees what's what's coming. And then that that most likely contributed to how emotional he was. You know, and what obviously appears to be coming is the word that they don't want to say. It's the word that, that Mark Davis used in the introductory press conference as an example of what this team was not going to be. He said it was this is not a rebuild. Um, but now Josh McDaniels is telling us, but it is a build. It's it's not a rebuild. I don't like that word, but, but, but it is a build. Um, it's a cycle of what every three, four years, the Raiders are in a rebuild and, and that's clearly what they, they her- appear to be handed down. Um, but it's, it's a very disjointed one because if you were going to be in a rebuild mode, if you thought that, if you thought that there was a chance that after year one, you were going to be in a rebuild. I just don't understand the moves that they made this offseason. And clearly, I mean, I guess what they thought was, okay, let's give Derek a big piece, give him Devonta Adams. Let's add a big piece to our defense in Chandler Jones. And we'll not do much otherwise, you know, so that we can keep our assets for the future other than, you know, the the, the two picks they gave up for Devonte. Um, and we'll see if like just giving him, just giving us those couple of pieces is enough for us to sneak back in the playoffs. But um, the the one I still can't square is Darren Waller. I mean, if they were offered a second round pick two weeks ago for Darren Waller, I, I just, I still, I, I sit here today and I can't imagine why you wouldn't take that. Um, and, and maybe it was just these last two games that finally convinced them that it was time to rebuild. But uh, I mean, they were two and five, two weeks ago. When uh, when they could have got a second round pick there, and and again we we mentioned it, they probably feel like they can get that in the off season, so maybe it doesn't really matter. But um, it just it 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 doesn't. It, the thing when you bring in a new regime is even if things don't go well, you want to see that they have a clear vision. And we're ten months into this tenure, and it's already feeling disjointed. Yeah, I think they were stuck in a weird in between spot going back to this off season because. Um, you know, even if they didn't think the roster was that good, like we, like even if the team last year, like they, they weren't bad enough to to crater out and get like a top draft pick. Like they were too good to to be that bad. And if you tear it down after making the playoffs, your fans are going to be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like we just made the playoffs. Why are you getting rid of Derek Carr and getting rid of our best players? And and so they're like, all right, well, we got to try to make this a little bit better. And so it's, you know, the, the, 
it really was the only option was to try to continue to improve on the team and then make a couple moves, which mostly, you know, Chandler Jones was the big, big splash move that they went out and, and got and, and Devontae Adams. Um, but a lot of their moves were, were taking care of guys that were already on the roster that they kind of outside of Darren Waller, who had a couple of years left, everybody else pretty much you had to give them new deals or, or get rid of them. And if you get rid of Derek Carr, if you get rid of Max Crosby, like you're, you're going in, you know, you're kind of doing two things at once there. And so um, I, I think that's why they ended up, you know, trying to continue to build on the roster this offseason. Um, but as you said, like once the season started and it was clear that this is not going the way that they wanted to, um, you know, that D- Darren Waller deal, especially since he was he was injured, it wasn't like he was contributing for them. He's still injured um, to potentially get a second round pick for him. I, I probably would have just went ahead and did that, like because now that he's he may not play again this season, you know, theoretically, like. I don't know if that second round pick is going to be there, um, you know, after this season or, or another high, high round draft pick if they do decide to go all in on the rebuild and, and blow this up. And so they, they were kind of stuck in a weird in-between spot this offseason. So I don't knock them as much for that. But at the deadline, just just standing pat, even though I wrote that's what they should have done. Like, um, you know, they have a better insight of the, of the quality of their team than I do, obviously. And um, if they didn't think that they were good, which all these statements and reports and everything, they, they think that the roster basically sucks. Like, then they should have just, you know, tried to get as much as they can out of the roster at the trade deadline. It's me. You have to wonder how much changed when uh, Devontae Adams became available. And they realized they had a chance to get him. If that changed their thinking, because, um, uh, you know, obviously he's a, he's a unique player and a guy you, you want to get. And maybe you think, okay, maybe that gives us a shot. But but even after that, and they got Chandler Jones, they always hedged. I mean, they had, like, I wrote, and people, are, I'm sure, Make fun of it. There was definitely a window where this team could be in contention for the whole thing. They had to make some more moves. They had to follow it up. They had to address the old line. Had to get an impact player at a D tackle. That's some all these these you know, lower level guys they got. They got and also add an impact cornerback. And they had a chance to get Stephon Gilmore. There's guys out there. So they had twenty million dollars, I think, in the cap space. So at that point, I think you you have a shot to say, you know what, we we have enough talent now. We can definitely make a run for this. But they hedged because I think they said, you know what, if we go all in and we don't work, it doesn't work. You know, we're going to be hard to explain that to to our owner. And so now they've always planned the seeds like, well, we're, we're good, but we have issues or, you know, God, those draft picks in the past really killed us. I mean, man, you know, John Gruden and Mike Mack sucked. And so I'm sure those things were planted with, with Mark Davis just as a hedge. And now they're playing out the hedge. Now they're like, you know what? Whoa, you know. And we'll, we'll, we'll have Adams. We'll have Adams next year. He'll, he's still great. He's a, a cornerstone, but we can build around him and, and as we rebuild. So our build, sorry, but – yeah, I think that, I mean, their focus and their plan this offseason was not ever really um, ironed in as far as what they want to do and, and proceed in, in a in an urgent fashion. And I think something that probably kept them from making some of those other moves is, again, like, ain't got no sinus bonus money. Like, like, like you might have the cap space, but, like, these guys, they, if they're getting offered the same number, but somebody else offered them, like, three times the signing bonus you are i'm going there like fuck y'all like you know what i mean like that's just how it's gonna go and so if the car got a car got a seven and a half million dollar signing bonus seven and a half million for a quarterback signing bonus it's nothing it's one thing to extend your own guys with that kind of you know approach but it's really hard to go get outside guys and then you know Chandler Jones older he's in his 30s made plenty of money so it may not have been the biggest deal to him but you're trying to go get prime guys or things of that nature like you got to be able to come up some more on that bread. And so I think that probably contributed to them not using a lot of that salary cash space. How is cash flow still an issue with that stadium being such a, a, you know, a cash making machine? I mean, it's kind of, 
I gave him the benefit of the doubt the last few years. Kind of you know, takes time and all the you know, COVID, but uh, at this point, you should be pouring in, pouring in money. So it's it's kind of weird if that's still uh, something that's holding them back. They don't own the stadium, right? I mean, so it's not like everything that everything that flows in goes directly to them. But they get most of it, though. I mean, the, the way that the deal worked out, kind of Vegas kind of gave them the uh, the whole enchiladas, so they kind of get most of that money. So well, they, they um, did they did fire their or. or forced to resign their team president last year over accounting irregularities uh yeah. you know, maybe something with that uh and they had to take gruden yeah, and, and, and those yeah. pf chank those pf chank bills get come on man. come on uh, i think i think there's some some paths we can see to how cash flows issue but i'm pretty sure it was looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, well, how do we expect this team to respond now? Um, we'd have to give them truth serum to, to find out how they really feel about Josh McDaniels. Um, we are already hearing from star players that you know players are not bought in. Um now that they've heard Josh McDaniels, their coach, is going to be back in 2023, whether this team wins another game or not, I mean, does this team give a damn? I mean, like, do they go to Denver where their coach is hated for how terrible he was and 
do they try to win one for their coach? Do they, um, I mean, at this point, obviously players, they got to be playing for themselves. They could be playing for the next contract. So uh, it's not like they're going to go out there and, and um, you know, I mean, they, they still want to perform, but I mean, what kind of, kind of response do we expect out of this team? I don't, I don't expect one. I mean, you know, that's already showing to the point where, you know, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams are calling guys out. Like what's going to make them suddenly zone back in? Like, are they going to get, wow, they said that publicly. So we have to get on top of it now. Like, like, no, I mean, they, they, you know, they're not mathematically eliminated, but they know their, their chances are making a playoffs are pretty much over with. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of team incentive in terms of that from that standpoint to, to kind of turn things around. And, when when you know all these reports are coming out that they think you suck <laughs> it's like why would you think that you're about to be around in the future like, like they're cutting Jonathan Avery a former first round pick and cutting Alex Leatherwood and you know basically saying the rest of the roster is trash like like why would I feel committed or obligated to serve this this regime you know what I mean and so as you said there's still the incentive of the eye in the sky to lie like you want to put good good tape out there to, even if you don't think you're going to be around to help you with your future endeavors so again I, and, and again football isn't a sport where you can just go out there and quit or anything like that but um i don't i don't see the issues that they're having being resolved within this season there's going to be something where in off season one of the two sides have to go and and obviously it's, it's going to be you know the players yeah i think if this team was going to come together and kind of you know uh come around their coach and kind of get to the next level it would have happened on that two-week trip uh, to New Orleans and Jacksonville, I was, they were together there for nine days, and they were really preaching, you know, that this is we can, we can do this, and they went zero and two. So, I think um, at this point, it's like like you guys said, it's players playing for themselves for next year for their next deal. Like Josh Jacobs, I mean, I hope he doesn't uh, get hurt because he's really um, running the ball so well, and you hope it doesn't um, go to waste with this rest of the team's effort. But and these star players will keep playing well. I mean, Max Crosby's going to show up every day, and Adams has shown uh, he's really um, you know hard-nosed guy, and, and, and Derek as well. So I think you rely on the star players playing well, I think. But the problem is the message that these guys, it's not trickled down from the leaders to the rest of the team, obviously. The rest of the, the bottom of the, half of the roster is not, is not doing much, whether it's talent or effort or what. But um, that's hard. It's hard to win with um, with that. And going Denver, Denver's a mess, but they have a really good defense. And it, the game is on the road. Raiders have been, like the win- I think they're winless on the road. I don't think they won a game on the road yet. So, um a tough, tough task. Seattle at Seattle. So those are really tough two games. I'd be surprised if they can turn around and get a win uh, out of one of those two games. You know, with the injuries, there's definitely a, a talent issue too. You know, watching back the, the game with the Colts, um, it, it, guys aren't getting open, and obviously this team was relying on on Darren Waller and on and Hunter Renfro, but they're not going to be back for at least another three games. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know what, even if they put in the, the effort and, um, decided that they're, they're going to finally buckle up, you know, like, do they have the talent to all of a sudden make, make a run in the next few games without two of their star players? And, um, what's the, what's the attitude going to be if they do lose another two games? Cause like you said, these, these aren't going to be gimme games. Like, you know, Denver has a one of the best defenses in the league. And then, you know, Seattle's a pretty good team too. It's uh, not, not going to be a fun uh, final month of the year. I mean, final month and a half. I mean, it's uh barreling toward ugliness, but um, 
let's let's go ahead and let's make some predictions for Sunday. Uh, who who who's ready to uh, to get back on the uh, the Raiders bandwagon? You guys, uh, you, you guys got hit uh, pretty hard last week with your uh, your blowout predictions. Um, and they uh, they came crashing down in a, in a major major way. So uh, hey man, it's, it, not, it's it, not our it, fault that Jeff Saturday's a genius. We didn't we didn't know. <laughs> It's Jeff Saturday for sure. I mean that that that's that's the thing about Jeff Saturday is is the fun you know what a perfect team for him to get to debut against, right? I mean yeah. it, because oh, he he he's getting to spend you know last week everyone's like what the hell are you doing and and I and I think we all can still fairly criticize the process in which he got hired, but now it's like oh look how great he is. He I mean like we'll learn more about Jeff Saturday when he plays somebody other than the Raiders because I mean right now the Raiders are not a a barometer to uh to judge any team against i mean we have uh our our power rankings and and, and the way bull wolf does them he, he kind of does a, a ceremonial number 32 team so it's it, it's a team that kind of has done something to deserve the the number 32 spot like i think last week it was the the packers were number 32 for losing to the to the lions um and uh he has the raiders at number 32 and funny thing is that that's kind of ceremonial for them losing to the Jeff Saturday Colts, but like, I mean, best case scenario, you're probably putting them 30 or 31. I mean, that they, I mean, they, they should, have the second overall they, pick right now. They they did beat Houston who has the number one overall pick. So like, yeah, I mean, they're probably the 31st best team in the league right now, which is, I just still unfathomable to think about what, what we thought about this team coming into the season, but yeah, so they're, they're losing. They're losing this week. Uh, have the Broncos eking them out twenty to seventeen. Um, the, the issue with the Broncos is their offense can't do anything against anybody. Like even against the Raiders, they didn't really do that much. I think they scored twenty three points in their first matchup. So, but they don't need to. I don't. I don't think you know. As Ted said um, earlier, the Broncos arguably had the best defense in the league. Uh, the Raiders haven't been able to get open in the passing game. They did run the ball pretty well against the Broncos. Um, last time and so i think if they're going to generate offensive success and this one is going to have to come on the ground the broncos have been kind of shaky against the ground but ultimately i just i just don't think they have enough to get it done on the road mile high and uh if they fall to two and eight just doing a forecast check for a sunday calls for um sunny with a high of 46 doesn't doesn't look like snow in the forecast almost brought back the same from last year but i don't i don't think the broncos are that good so I'll, i'll save the the Chiefs game saying from last year. I got 27, 17 Broncos. Um, 27. 27 wow. That's a season high for them. Broncos with 27. Oof. I almost went higher. I mean, this defense, like we've talked about, uh, I don't know, Patrick Graham is not showing me anything. And the, if not, it's injuries. And you got uh, you plug in guys who are younger. But I mean, Masterson and Sam Webb, I'm on PS Award. Trying, people, the team's trying to promote those guys has been exciting young players. I don't know, man. I don't. I didn't see much. So, but they're young. We'll give them a chance. But um, I don't know. But outside of Max Crosby, uh, there's really not much on this defense. And I think uh, Max can't beat them by himself. So I think they definitely get going a little bit in offense this week. And uh, uh, it's a battle of the two probably you know, most maligned coaches in the league right now. And I think um, I think Nathan, Nathaniel Hackett will get a nice a nice W. But so I, I got the Broncos winning. I will. Yeah. I will give. I will give Sam Webb a little bit of credit. He's. I was looking at because I wrote about today about all the, the shit that's going wrong this season. But he's actually been pretty. He's very limited snaps. But like he's right now, he's second in the league in yards per target among every yeah, player in the league. Sam Webb's so potential. He's been pretty he's good. Potential. But the rest of the defense is ass. So I mean, like it doesn't really matter. But but he's been pretty good. <laughs> um. 
Yeah, I, I got the Broncos winning 24 to 20. So the Broncos have only nine red zone touchdowns the entire season. The Raiders gave them three, three of the touchdowns. Um, so uh, I, I think, yeah, I think the Broncos probably have one of the better offensive games of the season against the Raiders. And it's been tough sledding, moving the ball against that defense. They don't have their pass rushers, but I think Baron Browning might be coming back for this game. Um, obviously they lost Bradley Chubb because of a, a trade and they, they lost Randy Gregory for the season. So, um, it, they don't have much as, as far as pass rushing because of just, you know, loss of talent. Um, but if Baron Brown comes back, that's going to be, that's going to make a big impact. Um, so, but you know, with Patrick Sertain, if, if he's on Devontae Adams, Devontae, you know, Devontae Adams will still get some yardage, but it, it, it's going to be like last game where it's going to be kind of inefficient when you're thrown to him. And if you can't have, find any other weapons that can win consistently outside of him, it's going to be a tough moving the ball. So, um, yeah, I got Broncos winning 24-20. Yeah, this just feels like one of those games where they just come out flat. And, I mean, and even if they don't come out flat, um, offensively, it's going to be tough. So I'm going to go Broncos 17, Raiders 13. Um, not the most exciting game. Not a, not a lot of points, but uh, Denver's defense gets it done. And, and the Raiders... I, like honestly, like the like the biggest thing to, to see the next couple weeks is like how much do other people do people other than Derek Carr and Devonta Adams care? I mean, in Max Crosby, obviously, we know he's in that list of guys that that is going out there caring. But um, we we got to see some other guys putting uh, you know, I, that that maybe maybe we see some galvanizing response to that that people getting called out by uh by their leaders. But um, I don't know, if it's gonna be uh could be ugly. So, Vic. Yeah, it's been a depressing podcast for everybody that's listened. They're uh, and now, you know, it gets, pretty, now it gets worse. Cheer them up, cheer up, Raider Nation. You know, pretty Lift pretty soon, nation. pretty soon, we're gonna you know start start shifting our attention probably to the offseason, the draft. We might get some of our draft people on to give us some prospects next week, uh, guys. We'll give you a little programming note uh, for Thanksgiving. We will do one of our live rooms where we'll get you to you, you will have the chance to provide the positive energy. Uh, if if you have any um, uh, next week, you'll be able to come talk to us. Um, we'll let you know exactly about the scheduling and the time for that. But that's what we'll do next week for the holiday. Um, but we do want to reward those of you who have listened for the last thirty minutes. Um, you were promised something by Vic after he made a. a <laughs> you were promised something. That's not how this works. I didn't promise nothing. But uh, we got a bunch of requests. Like people wanted Hotel California, which I didn't really get. Uh, I was playing instrumental for you, man. Because there's ghosts. Is that why? Because there's Raiders ghosts that are lurking around. So I didn't want to do that one. And then uh, I was thinking about like that crazy by Narls uh, will be a good song or like uh, Hit the Road Jack might be good mm. or Crying by Ryan Robert. By, uh, Hit Ray the Road Ro Jack was good for 2017. Yeah. Crying would have been, uh, been fitting, but that's kind of that's too much. So uh, I picked a song that I think reflects. The current mood is a little somber, but you gotta somehow, if you're a Raider fan, gotta be positive. Whether it's looking forward to uh, the draft pick or uh, watching. Hold on, that was, that was a good choice. I gotta pause. One second, one second. My plumber. That was perfect. Oh, that was perfect. That was perfect. <laughs> All right, that's a good time. He's, he's, he's ten minutes away. <laughs> why is that your ringtone? Rick? Why is my ringtone? That's the party anthem of the of the century, dude. I guess the last party century. going. Last century. <laughs> this century, last century. All right. So, uh, without further ado, here's a song that I think Bex reflects uh, Raider fans. All right. <clears throat> 
Oh, my phone's blowing up. Um, here we go. All right. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. Just thinking about tomorrow clears away the cobwebs and the sorrow till there's none. When I'm stuck with a day that's gray and lonely, I just stick out my chin and grin and say, Oh, the sun will come out tomorrow. So you're going to hang on till tomorrow. Come what may. That's enough. Vic, fantastic. I think you're doing a fantastic job. Fantastic. Uh, fantastic, man. <laughs> <laughs> got to bring this guy back. Wait, we got to bring wait, him wait, back. Wait, wait, 2023. So, was it really fantastic? Or are you guys just saying, like, oh, put a hard game or something? It was it better than two and seven. That was a good three and six effort. That's all I can ask, man. Yeah. I, I give yeah. my best for these people. So I'm glad that you guys thought it was fantastic. All righty, guys. Well, that will wrap up another episode of State of the Nation. We're uh, we're trying to have fun here for you. Um, I will say my wife was covering her eyes the whole time. She's laughing, <laughs> covering her eyes across the room. So she did a good job not uh, laughing out loud. So props there to her. Go. All right, next week, Gangnam Style, you're going to get up and dance for us. We're going to get that on YouTube, maybe. All right, and, uh, they, win, they win three games in a row. We'll do something with them. Uh, three games in a row? What <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> hey, man. Hey, Gangnam hey, Style is a high bar. Man. I'll do that for we we had them cooked last year at six and seven. Uh, and they, exactly. won four, and we, they won exactly. four in a row to make the playoffs, exactly. which, honestly, probably they would have been better off losing a couple of those games. Josh McDaniels taking over a team that didn't make the playoffs and he could just like, yeah, I'm going to come rebuild and um, probably would be cleaner, but what are you going to do? Hey, you, you, you don't turn down playoff first. So, all right, guys, we will talk to you again after the Raiders take on the Denver Broncos. Later. Peace out. Adios. Denim style. <laughs>